We're back to Neil Haley show. My guest today is Dr. Jack Rocco, and he's going to talk about why he became an author, but we're going to kind of go back to why he became a doctor first. So Dr. Jack, thanks for stopping by. You know, what made you want to get in this profession, especially being a surgeon too? That's pretty impressive. Oh, well, you know, I mean, I, I would say that the, um, well, thank you, but, um, thanks for having me as well. But, um, you know, I can I attribute a lot of the uh, my profession into the influence of my grandfather early on. You know, I mean, we I grew up blue collar, Erie guy, Erie, Pennsylvania, and uh, my grandfather was an old time Italian guy. You know, immigrated from from Italy, and uh, he used to build grandfather clocks in his basement. And I, I swear to God, you know, and I would help him with the grandfather clocks and. You know, I mean, I always attributed that to my just I loved working with my hands and building things and thinking in 3D. Um, but I also was, you know, I was good in school. I, I you know, I enjoyed uh, science and math and did well in school, uh, went to Pitt for undergrad, then was accepted to medical school, just following that science, uh, that science, uh, you know, thread. Um, and then once I was in medical school, you know, I was I said I was I, there weren't any of the other doctors in my family. I you know was the first uh, first to college, first in medical school and um you know went in with an open mind, you know what kind of doctor was I going to be and I I played sports, played football and wrestled a little bit and um you know orthopedics was the thing that you know I was most attracted to, you know, treating sports injuries, you know, but also like I said thinking in 3D fixing things, hammers, chisels, saw, right. all those things I grew up with um, really attracted me and, you know, kind of a weird way to get about it. But, you know, I, I can't I can't negate his uh, his influence on those decisions, you know, later in life and was very, very, right. very happy with it. Were you ever a fan of Dr. Freddie Fu if you were an orthopedic oh, surgeon? Yeah I, yeah, I mean, I, he, I he operated on me. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, he you know, I oper I uh, I rotated through Pitt's program. His partner, Chris Harner, uh, fixed my ACL. And I think okay. that also, you know, you know, Harner was just starting with Foo. They were, they were partners it was like 87 when I had my ACL surgery. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, then later ended up rotating with Harner and got to be Freddie Foo firsthand in both the OR and the office. He was just, just so smart. Amazing guy. Amazing yeah. guy. So smart and so full of energy. Just, you know, great guy. Yeah, I think I got my uh, bone spurs removed uh, arthroscopic after playing at Western Maryland College, playing college basketball there the first year, which is now called McDaniel College in 1992. So I think I got it removed in 93. So, yeah, that's when I got my surgery. So I remember those days, but went yeah. to Foo and, you know, but uh, then, you know, what happens when you have those arthroscopic surgeries? And I think you see it a lot of times is that it, it becomes something that ends up nagging people the older they get. So they got to oh, leave that yeah. to care of I mean, themselves. Yeah. You know, I mean, life goes on, you know, I mean, I've had, you know, at, at this point I've had three surgeries on my knee, you know, I mean, I had, you know, I had my ACL and then I was stiff afterwards. So Harner, you know, had to go in and shave some more things out and manipulate me and, you know, break up the scar tissue. And then probably when I was in my forties, you know, time catches up to you and, uh, you know, so like I was, I was like that guy on the hair club, you know, not only was I, uh, I was, a, I was a patient and then I bought the call, you know, then I, and I bought the company, you know, it's like, I, I had the bad knees and then I became an orthopedic surgeon. So yeah, go fit and, and, and that thing. So why the book, why did you write a book? 
Yeah, I um, you know, the book, you know, I, I I talk about it in the book. You know, it started off as my therapy, you know, and you know, I think guys handle things differently, you know. Um, and I, you know, I, I didn't know if I needed therapy. I didn't want to talk to a therapist. I don't know, you know, I'm one of those guys I would go to a therapist and I would try to tell them what it is I thought they wanted me to say or try and analyze myself. So, you know, I started, I went through a separation and divorce. And, you know, found myself down in North Carolina and just trying to figure stuff out. And, um, you know, so I started journaling and I started writing stories and just kind of really for myself, you know, to figure it out. You know, like I said, I didn't want to go to therapy. I didn't know where to start with a therapist. So I just started like, you know, you, you get divorced, you get separated, you just start thinking, you know. Well, and that's said, that's where you get your transition is I got through a separation and divorce uh, just a short time ago. And I was in Dallas for a couple of years, then came back to Pittsburgh. And I've really, you know, learned a lot about myself. And it's funny, once I came back to Pittsburgh is when really my transformation came to really identify some of the areas that I needed to improve. Yeah. I didn't, I wasn't during the separation. Somehow we get in this mode where we don't, we're constantly in this kind of fight or flight. And then mm -hmm. I really used self-hypnosis and things like that to, to cure a lot of the pain that you go through in a process like that. Yeah. You know, and I treat guys all day long, you know, and have, you know, I was in the service and I have guys come in to me, you know, and, you know, these are guys that, you know, they were in charge of 300 men in the military. They were kicking right. ass and taking no prisoners. And, you know, then they get out of the service and it's like, yeah, we got a nice job for you working at the Walmart distribution center, you know, driving a forklift. And, you know, I think these guys, you know, they get thrown on the shelf after their, you know, and, you know, and then separation and divorce and, and these things. And, you know, it's a horrible thing for guys, you know, and, and haven't gone through it. And, you know, so now I'm down in North Carolina by myself. I'm journaling, I'm writing. Um, and for me, you know, I stumble, it's, it's been one of these like 800 pound gorillas in the room, you know, my adoption story, you know, yeah. and, you know, the book is basically my adoption story. That's what it comes down to, you know, and it's like a lot of these things, you know, adoptees talk about a lot of these things out in, you know, social media. And there's this, this sense of like stolen identity. There's this sense of, you know, loss of control, loss of um, sense of belonging, you know, and, you know, Steve Jobs you know, was adopted. A lot of people don't necessarily know that. Oh. And, you know, both sides of his character, if you really look at it, are classic for, you know, the adoptee mindset. You know, it's this like, you know, hyper driven, you know, hyper vigilant, you know, always trying to prove themselves type of guy, you know, but also this like, you know difficult to work with difficult to, you know he wasn't so do you think that you were difficult to work with in your life oh i i would say absolutely and i and i think you know, like i said for me digging into it a lot of it is this confusion of identity you know it's this um you know who am i and th and then you know i mean so my adoption story is that as i you know as i evolved the book it um you know, my, my ex-wife was the one who initiated the search. And like all of a sudden at 40, at 40, I find out, you know, I get a call from the state. Like my wife, you know, she wanted me to, she wanted me to look for my, you know, she was pregnant. 
wanted me to look, you know, she's like, don't you want to find your birth mother? And I'm like, not really. And she's like, but don't you think the kids should know their medical history? I'm like, no, they know me. I'm healthy. You know, I don't have any problems. She's like, but don't you think they should know? I'm like, no, you know, and, and then she, you know, she kind of continued. I'm like, no, 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 I don't. And um, eventually she's like, well, what if I get the paperwork and sign it? Will you, you know, will you, uh, or if I get the paperwork and fill it out, will you sign it? So I'm like, sure. You know, so I signed the paperwork and then three years later they call and they say, here's your mother, you know, here's her name, here's her address, here's her phone number, you know, and it's like, boom, you're like, really, you know, and then, and then I get this, I get this, you know, transcript in the mail a little while later, and this was the real bombshell, you know, I, you know, I grew up this Italian kid, Erie, Pennsylvania, you know, 100% Italian, 120% Italian, you know. And um, I get this transcript and the judge says, is your name Joyce Tice? Yes, sir. Are you the mother of this Negro child? I'm like, Negro child? Who's the Negro child? You know, what, did she have another baby or something? You know, and uh, and it's like, and it turns out my father was mixed race. My father was raised, considered himself uh -huh. African-American. His family was 100%. You know, I got an uncle who was a Black Panther in the 60s. Oh. I got another, I got another uncle who was drafted by the Vikings and then eventually, you know, was drafted into Vietnam and came back, you know, so now, and it, and it turns out my mother, my birth mother, she came in on the Mayflower, you know, so I go from this Italian kid, you know, Erie, Pennsylvania, blue collar, working class. Next thing I know, I'm this pilgrim Thanksgiving Mayflower descendant, and I'm also a descendant from a slave ship. And it's like, uh, you, you know, how do you put this all together into an identity? You know, I've got the immigrant ship with my grandfather. So it changes who you think you are thanks to that search. And that's what's happened, it sounds like. Everything Absolutely. you thought you were is not who you are. Right. But then also, you know, as this, as this steel door is opened, you're like, no shit. Like, I could have told you that, you know, there's this, like I said, once that, you know, like I said, and I'm on the other side of adoptees call this phenomenon, you know, coming out of the fog, you know, and I think a lot of children, I mean, I, I've since learned, you know, a lot of adoptees really struggle with identity. If they, you know, I fairly well assimilated with my family. I was lucky. I was blessed. I was chosen, you know, all these great things that you you need to be grateful for. And, and I was, um, but then also you look back and you're like, you know what? I didn't feel totally comfortable in this role as an adopted child. I didn't, you know, like I had other facets. I had other identities that were kind of, you know, hidden underneath the veil of the veil of shame and guilt, you know? So then fast forward, you know, so now I'm, I'm like, okay, you know, so I, I meet my birth mother, I meet my birth father's family and I'm like, all right, I get this, you know, we're, um, you know, I'm cool with it. Like, it all makes sense to me. All those tendencies I had, all those whatever stereotypes, you know, I ran track, I had, you know, a Brillo pad hairdo and, you know, I mean, I had a little Afro hair. Um, and so you start to put these pieces together. So I'm like, I tell my sister, I'm like, Lisa, I'm going to tell mom and dad about this. She's like, oh no, Jack, that is not a good idea. You know, I'm like, Lisa, you know, we, mom and dad need to know it. I think the nuns lied to them. They didn't tell them the truth back then. And, um, you know, so she's, she's like, I don't know, they're both old, they're not going to take this, you know, so I go and I tell my parents, and there's like, you know, two bottles of wine for liquid courage for, you know, my mother's like, Oh, Jack, I can't believe you, you know, it's, 
it, it's tr difficult on all sides of the, you know, all sides of the fence. So then my father through his tears and red face and shaking, he's like, Jack, we already knew all that. I'm like, knew what? I didn't even tell you anything. And he goes, everyone in the family had to know before we brought you home. I'm like, no, what? You know, that my father was black? And he goes, yeah. So it's like my parents knew all along for 52 years. They knew that I was mixed race from the start. They knew my story and just chose not to tell me. So do you, you feel know, so that that led to the separation and divorce is finding your, who you really were? I, I think it contributed. I can't, I can't deny that there was definitely a contribution to it, but just that. And I've talked to many adoptees since then. And, you know, they're like, oh yeah, same thing happened to me. Oh yeah. When I found out it just, it resets everything. It makes you, it makes you, you know, you talk about you know, imposter syndrome, or just like I said, resetting your resetting your, you know, your whole view on life, you know, you're like, who would I have been? And in the book, I in the book, I refer to that that child who was given away, or that child that I was before I was given away. You know, that child who bonded with his mother for nine months in the womb, you know, who wow. was, you know, she was your soil, she was, you know, you heard her voice, you know, and there's science that proves all this. You know, I felt her heartbeat, her breath, her vibe, her rhythm, her flow. You know, it's just, you know, this is your person, you know, and typically you're born and you cuddle and you nurse, you yep. know, and there's a lot of talk about that early trauma of, of, you know, birth relinquishment. And, you know, now this child's like put under the heat lamp, sent to an orphanage, sent to a foster home, sent to another family, sent to another family. You know, and they never really have that opportunity to really bond with their mother. I know if you think about it, you wouldn't do that to a dog. You wouldn't buy a dog that you took immediately from their mother. No. Yet do it routinely with with adopted kids, and especially during wow. those days. And it's deep, and I know we don't have time for all this. No, no, I like this is a bit first thing. I definitely think that you could build a huge community with the, what you're doing uh, with adoptees. It's a great uh, way to really build a huge community of your story. Your story is just powerful, but I didn't expect to talk even this long, you know, cause we have short interviews because we do many different guests, but where's the best place people can find information on your book and learn more about you. Where can they go? Yeah. I mean, the easiest thing is, uh, you know, amazon.com, you know, and the book is called recycled. That was my grandfather's word, you know, old Italian guy. He called all those kids who weren't like real kids who weren't like, a you know, kids that were like, you know, half kids or step kids or whatever. He goes, he told me one time, he's like, Jack, you know, I think we got more recycled kids than we got our own now. So I write that as like, and an honor, you know, wow. I, I titled it for him as like an honor to him. Um, you know, but it's, but the second, the subtitle is, you know, it's recycled, um, a reluctant search for true self through nurture, nature, and free will. So I get into all of that, you know, who was my natural self? Who was my nurtured self? What choice did I have in the free will decisions I made and trying to put that all together into one identity? It's a, That's it's a powerful, freaking, it's a freaking trip of a book. You know, I mean, it's something that you just never think about. And you think about these identity crises we go through or challenges like a divorce, like separation, you're looking at, you're mentioning adoption, but there's other types of things that literally change who you are. You went through that separation divorce, but ultimately 
you went through a lot of other stuff that needed to work out too, like losing a loved one during a time of all those different trials. It shapes you as a human being for the rest of your, your life's next quarter century or longer of life. And people mm-hmm. just don't get that because we constantly grow and change. Appreciate it. Yeah. Doctor. Thank you so much. Right. I appreciate you. All right. Listening and watching the Neil Haley show. And we'll be back in just a moment.